trying to do all the things, trying to be superwoman. And then I was tired at the end of the day and was feeling resentful for him not picking up in the areas that I thought he should just know to pick up on. The resentment that you can feel when you're trying to take on too much is real, but it's also something that you're able to give away. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Episode 7. We are one month into this journey and we have loved your support and your excitement along the way. Seriously, it's been amazing to read your reviews and to see your reshares. Thank you for taking the time to do that. It truly means the world to us. We have a really exciting episode today and Abby's going to start it off with an announcement. So a lot of podcasters make you wait until the very, very end to share anything in order for you to listen all the way through. We are not going to do that today. That is not our style, nor do we want to make you guys wait any longer. We are pregnant. So I'm having, I'm pregnant with our third baby. It's number three is on its way and we are just so excited. It's definitely been an experience. It's been a heck of a couple of months here, but because of your support, it really, really just tugged at my heart to make sure that we shared it with you guys first. Um, we wanted you in our I mean, your parents know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So close friends, family knows. But as far as social media, you guys are our community. So thank you for being excited and thank you for being able to share this news with us. Um, gosh, I don't even know where to start. Like, it's just, it really has been a whirlwind. That's the only word that I can use to describe it between finding out and then the missed Colin's busiest time of the year, my travel season, this podcast launching, like all this literally happened at the exact same time. But seeing those two lines was just, it's kind of refreshing. Um, We'd only been trying for a couple of months, which has not always been the case for us. So it also tugs at my heart because episodes and news like this, I know can be hard. So if this is one of those episodes that you need to turn off right now and come back to later, we totally understand. If your heart is not in the right place to hear this news or to talk about mothering subjects, we get that as well. But with all of these things and with all of these topics, we just want to bring light to the fact that we are excited. Like This is a very exciting time. Um, And it's not about comparison. It's not about treating yourself like anybody else. We just want to make sure that everyone's journeys look a little bit different. And we know that. And that's going to be part of the conversation today. So because I'm comfortable answering pregnancy questions, and because I know a lot of you have started asking them, um, I've been very, very sick. So people at work have already been asking me for a while. I'm going to let Amy dive into some of the most commonly asked ones. Oh, first of all, I'm so excited for you. It's been quite the journey as your podcast co-host because Abby has been uh, not glowing. Yeah, not not at all. This is not a pregnancy that's glowing. Maybe second trimester, maybe second trimester. More like dashing out of the room to puke. But we are so excited. And so when are you due? 
I'm due at the end of August. So both my other babies were born in the winter or in early spring. So first time I'm going to have a summer baby. How many times do you think you're going to hear, you're going to be so pregnant during the summer? (laughs) It was funny because when we first found out we were having an August baby, I was like floored. I was so excited because not only have we always tried for an August or fall baby because of my work schedule, I also really like the idea of having birthday parties that are outside. Oh, like, yeah. Which is funny because my brother, he's a July birthday. He always had the best birthday parties with like pools and water balloons and just being able to be outside. And I didn't get that because I was an April birthday. How old will the other kiddos that you have be when this baby comes? Okay. So Micah, Micah's going to be two and a half. And then Lucy will be like four and a half. So Lucy's already asking all the questions. Um, she's really excited about it. How did you guys tell your kids? Well, so I've brought this up to a couple of people. Lucy is a little bit like woo. Like she's extreme hippie. She like knows things, which is like funny to say, but she actually knew before I knew that we were pregnant. So she kept on saying, mama, there's a baby in your belly. It's a baby girl. And her name's Clara. Which is just funny. Clara's not on our top choice of names, but um, it's kind of a cute middle name. Like, I like that name. Um, Just one of our other friends, a very close friend, has a baby named Clara. So Lucy already knew. Lucy started telling everybody as well, like, right away that we we were out. Her mom was pregnant. So that was kind of fun. Um, Just like being like, yep, everyone's in on the news early who knows us really closely. Okay, so you have a girl, a boy. Will you find out the gender of this third baby? We're not going to. So we will not find out the sex of this baby. Um, We have not found out with any of them. So we're going to keep it a surprise. If you had to guess. Too early to tell? It's too, too early. I mean, this pregnancy is so much like Micah's where I am. You guys, when I say sick, like I am so sorry for any woman out there right now who's in first trimester and is sick because... It is not fun. Like, it is not fun at all. The exhaustion is so real. I mean, going, I'm throwing up like five to 10 times every single day, which was a lot like Micah's pregnancy. Um, I also only want tacos and chips. So it's kind of like Colin's like favorite pregnancy of all of them. Those are my ideal. (laughs) Girl, I will support you. It's kind of been answered, but do you have food aversions? Like everything? (laughs) Nothing leafy green. Like get vegetables away from me. Is that like a common thing? I keep on like talking with other women and they say it's because, and I don't know, some scientists out there is going to be like, Abby, you're wrong. Stop stop talking. (laughs) But a lot of women say that it's because there can be a ton of like viruses or just issues with vegetables because they're not white bread, for instance. So it's like a body's way of being like, ah, don't eat that in the first trimester. Same thing with chicken. Like if you eat raw chicken, you will get sick. Again, no scientific background that I have, but I cannot look at chicken and I cannot even have like lettuce near me right now. Yeah, my face is really crinkling up because I'm not buying what those people are selling. <laughs> I think it's probably just because you don't feel good. Yeah, that could vegetables be. Vegetables aren't like, oh, yes, let me get my vegetables. I mean, yeah. I'll take a burger over vegetables right now. Like, and I'll make any excuse to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anything else that you can share with us about your third pregnancy? <sighs> just... If you're in your first pregnancy right now and you or your second or your fifth and you're in that first trimester and you're feeling kind of alone, if you want to send me a DM, just be like, hey, I'm so excited. I also want to share this news. Even if you're like three weeks pregnant, girl, like it can be such a lonely time when you're not able to tell anybody besides close friends or family. So 
Um, a few have already reached out because they've noticed a couple of things in my stories. So for those of you who have noticed that I've been doing the Expecting an Empowered Pregnancy Guide instead of the Expecting an Empowered Postpartum Guide that I've been doing for the last two years, kudos to you. Like, nice work on figuring that <laughs> Detectives. out. Detectives. <laughs> Let's just say it's not been easy. Like, definitely have put that out there. The exhaustion is real. I've had to put on this fake happy face at work, um, definitely on social media, and I'm just not feeling my best. So it's hard because you want to be excited. You want to show the world your best, especially because you have this awesome news that's going on inside of you. But because it's first trimester and because we live in America, we have this like weird thing that we can't tell anybody mm -hmm. because of the chance that of loss or because we don't know what other people are going through. Um, so for the rest of this episode, let's just focus on the things that we wish we would have known the first time around. That is one thing that's really different with this pregnancy. We we're just telling people a lot earlier. Um, yeah. I think that being so sick was kind of validating that things were probably going right. Um but the first time around, there was a whole bunch of things that I wish I would have known. And only the third time around, can we actually get those figured out? Definitely. And the thing with you, and I know my other friend that's pregnant right now, I'm like, it is so hard that you guys just have to show up every day. And also, it happened right when we were launching this podcast. So I know you were so excited to launch. And there were days where I was like, Abby, we cannot put that story on. Like, you look like you have been on a 10-day bender. And people don't know you yet. So it's like, you know, just that the fact that as a woman, like, you have so much going on behind the scenes sometimes. And people don't know that. And to be totally honest, you guys, this question has come up where they're like, oh, I didn't even know. Like, you looked fine in all your Instagram stories. I will change my shirt a couple of times and record three different messages to play on three different days. Like, I'm not even joking right now. That's the only way because there's yeah, like when you're two having days. A good, good day. Right. Like, there's two days of the week that I can actually put mascara on and keep food down for long enough that I don't have throw up on the side of my face. So, those are the days that I am for sure recording. <laughs> okay. So, the first thing that we wanted to get into was how motherhood can look. Expectations rarely align with reality. And there were all of these expectations and preconceived notions that I had when I was going to be a mother for the very first time. I wish that I would have known that it was not going to look like Instagram. Here I was seeing all of these pregnancy announcements, seeing these birth announcements, seeing the captions that said, I've never loved my husband more than when I saw him become a father. So it is safe to say that I just felt supremely unprepared for the challenges that laid ahead of me. I kind of just tricked my mind into thinking it was going to be this natural, beautiful journey. And I've opened up more and more as I've grown more confident in my voice and in my motherhood that as a first-time mom, I really struggled. It was really, really hard for me. Um, so I wish that I would have known that I shouldn't preconceive like how the next year of my life with that baby was going to look and that I just had to take it day by day, not comparing myself to these mothers on Instagram. And it really starts in pregnancy, like right from the start where you're comparing how big your bump is right. or like what maternity clothes does she have? And it's just that comparison of, 
am I doing everything right? Like, could I be doing more? And if you're in your first pregnancy right now, or you're wanting to have that first baby, we're not trying to squash your dreams no, with no, any no, of no. this. Like, <laughs> if you are like loving your husband more than ever because he's reading stories to your baby bump, whatever it is, you go, girl. This is not to put any pressure on you either way. It's amazing. Like, it's yeah. an amazing, amazing time. Keep on living it. But if you're not feeling that way, this is what that message is also for, that you don't right. have to feel perfect. Our culture tends to idealize and look at motherhood with rose-colored glasses. So listen, Abby and I both love motherhood more than we could have imagined. I just think that we idealize it in, in a way that doesn't allow us to show up and say, you know what, Trey, my second child, is actually very, very difficult without then swooping in and saying something positive right away. Like we're in a culture where we always have to spin it positive. We can't just be like, it's really freaking hard. <laughs> this two-year-old is going to test me more than I've ever been tested before. <sighs> and two-year-olds, anybody else with a two-year-old? We all hear that. <laughs> and it's so interesting hearing your story, Ames, about your preconceived notions of how perfect everything was, because I think that that's kind of like the Instagram or the social media world with, I was in a life group. I still am in a life group, but with <clears throat> different people when we were expecting our first baby and they had really, really tough times Yeah, and they were very honest about it. So one had twins, for instance, they had twins, first pregnancy, one of the first ones trying and it was difficult. They were colicky. They like the nursing wasn't going well. Nobody slept. They had to hire a night nurse just so that one of them could sleep every third night. Like it was really, really hard. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> um, and another one had a colicky baby. Like that's really hard. Like true colic is no joke, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I've had a couple friends with colic babies and I'm just like, I just couldn't imagine that. We've had a fussy one. Max was definitely would cry for hours, but we got breaks. It was not all day, every day. And so I just want to say that is a supremely hard situation to get through. Obviously, as humans, we're so resilient and we'll get through it, but it's okay to just sit with it that that is really, really hard. And your experience is going to be different than a woman that has a baby that is not fussy. Mm, completely. Like she was telling me about how she would literally bounce on a ball, Amy, for like hours on end because it was the only thing that kept the baby somewhat quiet, like bouncing on a ball. They're, they got those big exercise balls in every single room of the house. Um, I had another friend who her baby was allergic to her breast milk. So like all of these thoughts were in my mind of like there are so many things that aren't perfect with motherhood that are really, really hard. So Colin and I, we literally just – we prepared for the worst. And when Lucy came out healthy right away, I was already like, we're ahead of the game. Like we have a healthy baby. Like when you're really, really honestly just wanting a healthy baby, we're like, wow, this is working. When she would sleep for like three hours at a time, that was like heaven, like absolute amazing. So it, it also took us a while to have Lucy. So it was not easy for us to get pregnant with Lucy, which I think also just made us really, really feel fortunate for everything in that pregnancy, but then also everything being healthy afterwards. Um, and again, this is not to compare. Like, we did not go through IVF. We did not go through fertility, fertility treatments, but it did take us about a year to get pregnant with Lucy. And every single month was just like a big slap in the face of, I'm doing something wrong. 
like this isn't working. Yeah. And I think that early experience too, just because we know, have known each other for as long as we've been parents to say too, that we're all going to have different challenges. I know that breastfeeding came super easy. Can I say easy? Oh yeah. Yeah. To Abby. And I had a horrific time with it. Like I had such bad pain. I would cry every time he latched. I was working with a lactation consultant. So I think another thing about the American culture is right away, they're like, go see a lactation consultant, read this book, do this, do that. Like everyone wants to solve stuff. And I'm like, great, perfect. I've done all that. My nipples are have a crater in them. So unless you can fix that, like, thank you very much. But just to say like that different experience, like breastfeeding being so painful caused me to be more anxious than my normal personality. Like I was constantly mm-hmm. anxious for the next time he was going to feed. And I also didn't want to leave the house because I had these like huge cracked nipples. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even want to breastfeed in public because I start crying. And that's just, you know what I mean? It was so uncomfortable. I'm thinking of anybody who's not a mom listening to this. Yeah, they're they're like, like, cracked nipples. (laughs) Like, do I really want to do this? So just like going into it with different perspectives, um, Lucy and Micah were just so different because it did take us so long with Lucy that even the pregnancy nausea, like I kept on saying, I'm so happy to feel crappy. Like I was like thinking my lucky stars every time I threw up because it meant that the baby was probably growing. And then with Micah, we got pregnant the first month trying and we were not ready for that. We just had like set ourselves up for like a year of failure again. And it was inconvenient. Like everything was inconvenient. Throwing up was inconvenient. My travel job was inconvenient. Like everything about it was just so much more difficult. So it's just every single pregnancy can be different because everyone, every woman is different and every single baby is also different. Right. You know, and just opening up about these things, it's like, these are kind of the things that we keep behind closed doors. And so I just learned a bunch about Abby and I know her pretty well. So just to say, you guys, when you're having these conversations with women um, in person, you're going to get a lot out of those conversations. Like Abby said, her friends kind of set her up with a realistic expectation Um, I didn't have very many friends, to be honest, that had babies. We were one of the first in our groups to have a baby. So it's just, you know, take information in, take it for what it's worth. Know that you're going to have your own journey. You're going to have your own baby. Um, It's going to look different for all of us. Don't set yourself up for failure by deciding exactly how things are going to go before they actually are happening. Now, it's my, that was my biggest takeaway from my first journey into motherhood. Because when you've decided already how life is going to turn out, you're automatically going to set yourself up for failure. Because we can plan a picture-perfect way of living life, doing life, how it's going to look. It never turns out no. that way. <laughs> no. And can I say, when you add kids to the mix, it never turns out that way. Like there's always something thrown thrown into the mix. But the second thing that we really want to touch on is the struggle for asking for help. And this might be something that you don't even know you struggle with until we start to bring up some of these little points along the way. Um, I know per- personally, I didn't think I was struggling with this. Like I thought I was asking for help when I needed because I thought that I was superwoman and that I didn't actually need to ask for help. So the first time around, 
I don't even this how long of a podcast can this be right now? Because the first time around, there was just so many areas where I should have been just asking for some more support and wasn't. So for starters, on nursing, nursing came very easily to me. However, Happy for you. <laughs> however, it wasn't. Um, I wasn't doing it perfectly, and the reason it came so easy to me is that on day like four, maybe day three, I think I'd just gotten home from the hospital. One of my friends, Grace, Grace, if you're listening, thank you. She literally did a hands-on boob grab because she saw me nursing my baby Lucy and she's like that's a shallow latch your nipples are gonna burn you're gonna get cracked nipples and she literally Amy grabbed my boob (laughs) we're close enough that it was okay but still she had never grabbed my boob before (laughs) and like showed me how to do a deep latch and that's not anything that the nurse showed me or that the books showed me I literally read like 50 books you guys on nursing Um, it was literally something that a mom of two almost three was the only way I could have learned that would I have asked for help otherwise no like even with a very close friend who had been a mom right there and I was having pain already, it wasn't something that I had thought about even asking for help for. But luckily, she noticed that I was doing things a little bit wrong. Another area where I definitely struggled was people always want to like bring you food or like, hey, do you need to take a nap? And I was like, no, I don't need someone to bring me food. I can make my own food, okay? Like I already had all of these dishes that I've made ahead of time. No, when someone says that they want to bring you food, they want to bring you food. It's okay to say yes. Oh my God, I, that was my favorite thing. I was like, hell yeah, you can bring food. Oh, or when someone asks, like, can I run an errand for you? It's like, well, I'm home on maternity leave. Like the thought of I have 24 hours in the day now where this tiny little baby can just be in tow with me. In my mind, I'm like, I need to pick up on every other area of my life that I've been neglecting because I'm on maternity leave with this tiny baby who is easy to take for now. And I just wish I would have been like, yes, can you please go to Target to pick this up for me? Right. I mean, like, whatever it is, say yes and just let them be able to help you. Asking for help was something that I really, really, really struggled with. And I'm going to get kind of deep here, but I think it was more deeply rooted and feeling like inadequate as a mom. Um, it was my first baby. Like I said, the breastfeeding was going horribly, but then also Max was a fussy baby. Um, And so what happens when you have a baby that's fussy is that everyone has so many opinions on how they, they would say, oh, I think he's hungry. I think he's tired. I think this, I think that. And just when it's your first baby, you almost go into like this defense mode of like, I actually, I just fed him. Thank you for that. Um, So I I really did struggle with this and I wanted to do everything myself. Like mm-hmm, that's what it mm-hmm. led to. Like I felt like I always needed to have Max. Um, really, honestly, one place that got really hard was with my mother-in-law. So she was, that was her first grandchild, right? Mm-hmm. So she's brand new. This is her first time being a grandma. This is my first time being a mom. That's not a great scenario, I don't think. I think that's really, really hard because everyone's learning a new role and boundaries. So she was constantly telling me what she thought that Max needed, and it made me feel very resentful. Um standoffish like I wanted to be at an arm's length or it made me feel like this is my baby like you got your chance to have your children this is my child this is my child and so I've talked about this a little in the past but I had to have a conversation with her where I was like Robin I think what it's coming down to is you're making me feel like you think I don't know what I'm doing 
And that's really hard and it makes it really hard to feel um, enjoy to enjoy our time together. And, and so her and I went down that road. We had that conversation. She took it so well. She's so kind hearted. Um, I was talking to my husband about it, too, because at first I was like, I'm going to go through my husband. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to go yeah. through Drew. I'm mm-hmm. going to have him tell his mom that she's got to back down a little bit. And then I thought to myself, I don't know why I just had this epiphany. I'm like, you are a grown woman. You are part of this family. You have to speak up. So I knew I had to do it myself because Drew is Switzerland. He is like the most <laughs> neutral. He does not like confrontation. He there's you know what I mean? There was no way he was gonna give like the feelings I was having enough credit to his mom. I think she really needed me. You know, I can you can see someone struggling, like you automatically feel or I hope most of us feel like our hearts soften a little bit. And Drew wasn't the one struggling. Like with a lot of this stuff, it wasn't a picture on him or like what he was doing as a father. You were the one who thought that it was something with you that was going wrong. Yeah. So no husband can articulate that correctly because right. it's not him. But it did bring problems into our marriage oh, because it, it was like I would constantly after the day had been done and we were going to sleep, I was like, I can't like, you know, I had like my list of complaints of, cause I was taking everything really hard. So everything she would say I was taking hard and, um, and that got kind of taken out on Drew or I felt like he needed to have my back and what a, what a hard position to be in between your, what your wife that just had a child and has so many emotions going on and your freaking mom like who wants to be between those two people but how this all relates back to getting help is that once I felt better about like the relationships and I didn't take everything so personal I didn't feel so inadequate it was like the wall came down and I was like just allowed people to help me so much more and I felt so much better. This took months though, if I'm speaking just plainly. It took me years. So <laughs> you're ahead of the game, Amy. <laughs> but um I don't know. I just wanted to share that. I think that's a lot of women go through that, especially maybe if it's your partner, your spouses, your boyfriends, if that's the first grandchild in that other family Maxwell was the golden goose of the world you know what I'm saying so there was so much tied into that baby for everyone that it made it really really hard yeah we have a similar story there with Lucy being the first grandchild on all sides and grandparents they want to be the best grandparents in the world they also in in just my experience want to grandparent kind of like how they parented or how they wish they could have parented, which looks different than the way you might want to parent. So they're not doing anything wrong. It's just looks different than what society has right now or what we're actually supposed to be doing because they grew up in a different culture and a different generation. My sister and I have laughed about this because my dad, he was such a great dad. I love you, dad. He listens to our podcast. (laughs) He's such an amazing dad. But he was not like safety was not first for him. Oh, like no. we were in the back of pickup trucks. We were like hauling rocks, 
you know, we were allowed to be outside, just roam around, whatever. It was a different time. I know that. But now with his grandkids, he thinks everything is dangerous, like every (laughs) single thing. And we're like, Dad, you let us do everything. And now you're like on high alert. (laughs) And that is interesting. Takes it to the other extreme. (laughs) Um, And I know part of both of our stories, Amy, was knowing that when you're feeling your best and when you're at your best by being taken care of, it also helps with the feeling of inadequacy going away and just all this mom guilt that can come with it going away. So tell us more about that. When I had my first child, you guys, I couldn't even go work out because I had so much shame and guilt for taking care of myself. It sounds funny now because I feel like I'm the queen of telling people to take care of themselves. But with that first child, I struggled so bad. I would go to the gym because Drew would essentially be like, baby, I think you will feel better if you go to the gym. Like he could tell how anxious he could tell how hard motherhood was. But I'll never forget. I would I would like literally like run back out to my car. When I went back to my nursing job, I would like literally jog to my Jeep because I wanted to get back to Max like the second that I could. Putting so much pressure on the fact that really I felt like the best moms were the ones that were always there. That is something that society taught me and that was pretty deeply rooted inside of me for a long time, you know, months and months. And then once I started to kind of be like, Amy, I would have to coach myself. I'd be like, Amy, you are not rushing back from the gym right now. You are going to take this. You're going to take 45 minutes. You're going to do your workout. You're not going to run to your car. You're not going to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just really had to like slow down and I would get home and Max and Drew were perfect. And you know what I mean? Like Max was napping. He didn't even, he wouldn't have even known if I were there or not, but I had to pull back on all the pressure that I was putting on myself. When I talk about me as a first time mom, I like have tears in my eyes because I'm like, I just was so hard on myself. It also gives dad a time to bond without mom around. Um, I know with both of our, all of our kids, when we're there, Amy, it's like they just cling to us. Like they just want to go to us like zombies. But when we're not there, dad can actually have like a fair chance of being a dad, parenting like he wants, doing the things that they actually want to do. But what we see in society isn't always like that. Like we see the mom with the kids. We see the mom going to work. It's okay to work, but you better rush home to get to your kids. It's okay to go to the gym, But don't go to the gym for too long. Make sure that you're getting back to your kids. Yeah, don't go on vacation. Are you a monster? Oh, right. You can go on vacation. You just have to bring your kids with you, which isn't a vacation. It's just parenting in a different setting. (laughs) Um, Same thing with like girl time. Like, oh, you you can have girl time. Just make sure that your family is still first. Like you can have a date night, but not too many. It's just there's so many of these things in the world that I know I have felt. I know that so many of my friends have felt as well because we've had those conversations. Um, or just people like asking. Like Colin and I take date nights very, very seriously. And we've had people ask like, wow, you guys go on a lot of dates. And it's almost like a condescending, like you guys go on a lot of dates. I'm like, yeah, we do. Thank you. Like this is a very, very important part of our relationship. We also just want to make sure that this is the base of how we even started a family. And we're going to keep this strong all right. throughout. And when you're struggling, like I know when I was a first time mom and I was struggling with inadequacy, when I looked at other couples doing stuff like going on date nights so frequent, I too, like I had judgment because of my own inadequacies and things that I was working through. You know, looking back, Mm -hmm. it was like I wasn't actually feeling 
I don't know. I was kind of, I kind of had the approach. I was like, how could they do that? Like, because I couldn't do it. But I just wanted to touch on working out of that was slow for me. So like our first date, even after our second baby, our first date was in town. Like we would, we went to dinner. We had a babysitter that we really trusted our parents Mm -hmm. and we just went to dinner in town. And so I was close enough to feel like comfortable and to relax and to focus on my husband. So sometimes it's a slow build. It took me a while to, you know, go on those overnight trips with Drew and that's okay. Like you don't have to rush that, but I do think if you do have a partner to realize that that's still a really important relationship and that it is okay to leave that baby with someone that you trust so that you guys can nourish that. I think that's going to get you further down the road. I wish I could go back and tell myself like, Amy, this date night, this time with just Drew is going to get you further down the road than not doing it. And later in the episode, we are going to talk about relationships and what we wish we would have known going into our parenting journeys. But right now, I did want to mention that sometimes the barrier that you could have asking for help is shame around feeling sad or unhappy. Um, People that are feeling that way in their motherhood can tend to isolate themselves when they actually need help the most. Our friend Kate Lemire from episode six, someone that I really admire and look up to, she said that she found help in others only when she started talking about her own struggles. It's like one of us has to be brave enough to say what we're struggling with and then the others can open up about their experience. The American Pregnancy Association states that 80% of women experience some form of baby blues and 100% of us need help in mothering. We live in a society that tends to do it, you know, we're kind of in a silo when we're mothers. You know, you're on maternity leave, you're by yourself most of the time. That's not how it is in other places. And that's not how it was in the past. No, and it really takes a village like that is a saying that we know all too well, but it really, really does. And sometimes it's just a village to go through the feelings and to know that you're not alone in a lot of this. One of my best friends in the whole world, both of our babies are three weeks apart. So Crazy amazing that we could be pregnant together and have newborns together. But her experience with postpartum depression and anxiety was a lot worse than just what I'd seen because a lot of people don't talk about that. But I was seeing it firsthand. But the part of this that worried me the most is that she didn't know what was going on because nobody had talked about it. She wasn't seeing a therapist at that time. Her doctor was asking questions, but not the exact right questions. So it went from zero to 100 really, really quickly. And it was a very scary situation, not only for her, but for her family, for her kids. Um, I mean, being hospitalized when you have a couple month old isn't easy for anybody. Um, But when I looked at that, anything that I was feeling was automatically, I feel like I had to shut it down. Because I'm like, well, I don't have it as bad as my best friend. Like, oh, my baby blues don't really matter because people are going through a lot worse. I have an amazing pregnancy with a really supportive husband. I shouldn't be feeling this way. So it was one of those things that I just kept on shutting down any of those feelings and not really letting the emotions actually come through. And with Micah, the baby blues, 
I mean, that was like the least of it. Like I saw a therapist, I talked with friends, I did all those things. But if I would have actually been bringing up the true feelings that I was having, it would have been diagnosed as, as much, much more. Yeah. And, and that's really such an important point is that sometimes it is the help of a professional if you are feeling very sad that you need. Um, so we just wanted to touch on that. And, and what you were saying, Abby, resonated with me because in life, it's really easy to pr- suppress our own feelings when we feel like other people have it worse, but everyone's feelings are valid and every single person is going to struggle. So let's wrap up this section, Amy. Where have we found help when it comes to motherhood? When we finally asked for it and when we finally said yes, where are some of the areas that you found the most amount of help? So remember when I was talking about my mother-in-law and how I was like keeping her at arm's length. Now she's like the first person I text or call. She literally will come into town and help us when we have sick kiddos and she'll do laundry. She'll sweep the floor. She'll do anything. And I have let go of feeling bad for asking because I know that's one person in my life that really wants to help me. So she's like, please, is there anything I can do when you're at work? And she'll be like, you know, washing and drying my underwear. I'm like, I'm, I have no shame or in my game anymore. Like do anything you want to. My parents are also super helpful and they will come and support me whenever I need it. And so I know not everyone has the options that Drew and I are really lucky to have our parents still around. And even more so on top of that, parents that really, really enjoy being grandparents and really want to help us to succeed in our parenting. Um, One other thing is that Drew and I do have a go-to date night babysitter that we can really rely on. It happens to be Drew's cousin. Um, All the boys have really gotten to know her over the years so that when we're When Drew and I go on a date, I just have all of this confidence that I don't need, she doesn't need anything. She is so capable with our little guy. They look forward to when she comes over. So if you can find that person that you can really, really trust, that's an amazing thing. And I just want to touch really quick on the fact that, you know, I know Drew and I are fortunate to have these people in our lives, but kind of get creative. Even Even if you don't have a lot of money, I know our friends here in town, they're from Africa. Their their parents are, you know, a world away. And Drew and I have been like, you guys, let us watch your children. They're like, are you kidding me? You'll have like five children. <laughs> like, yes, because we believe so much that they need to go out on a date that we are like, use us. Like this is, we're supposed to, as humans, do life together and help each other. And I can tell that this couple needs to go on a date without these two rambunctious boys. So I'm like, drop them off. We're not even going to notice. Our house is chaos on chaos at this point. Like, we'll be fine. Especially during the day, having an extra couple of kids. Yeah, there's more kids, but they're all playing with each other. Like, that's why daycare facilities, I'm like, how in the world does our daycare do it? But when they're all together, it's like controlled chaos. Like, having one kid is really hard. Having two kids is very, very hard. I don't know how it's going to be with three. I'm guessing it's going to be hard. But at some point, they just start playing with each other. And it literally can cost zero dollars. So... We take date nights very seriously. Yeah. Sometime our date nights is literally in the basement. 
where we play a Same. movie. Like you play a movie that you can't watch with kids around. We order takeout Chinese and just eat it by ourselves. Like we have a conversation where we're actually talking to each other. Phones are left upstairs. Like there is no distractions whatsoever. And sometimes those are our favorite date nights. It's got to be super intentional. Intentional. That's yeah, because we're word. like, yeah. Drew and I will be like, okay, Saturday night, we're dating in the basement. Yes. This is the only thing that we're doing yeah. right now. Um, I do have to say, though, having babysitters has been like our lifeline. And the reason I say babysitters, plural, is that we got really lucky. No, you cannot have their phone numbers. But, but I our, can, right? <laughs> <laughs> our neighbors, um, one's a sophomore in high school, one's a senior in high school, and they co-watch our kids. So I'm pretty sure that we're paying for their entire college tuition at this point. <laughs> but um, one will come over, whoever has like a less busy schedule, one will come over and then during bedtime, the other comes over for half an hour and helps put the other kid to bed and then goes back home. So it's been really convenient. And just like finding somebody like that, regardless if it costs a little bit of money once in a while, like we just save up for it. It's part of our budget. We make sure that it happens. Yeah, you're going to prioritize what matters to you. I'll also say one thing that has been absolutely life changing. And I know that not every human being out there can do this, but like once a quarter or every couple of months, the grandparents take the kids overnight. So we are at the house. It's like a staycation. It's a time where Colin and I can catch up on housework. We can like do things around the house we haven't been able to do. We don't have to pack anything. We don't have to plan anything. And they'll take the kids overnight. And we are lucky enough to have a lot of grandparents. Um, many people on Colin's side of the family are divorced. So we have like multiple sets of grandparents and great grandparents. So they get a whole weekend with the kids and we get a whole weekend of actually catching up on things. So again, we know it's not possible for every single human being out there, but just ask, like, what's the worst in just asking if you can have a weekend at home? The last thing that we are going to talk about when it comes to what we wish that we would have known is what a big adjustment our relationship with our spouses. Now we say spouses add in any relationship that you have, but it was a huge shift and I didn't know that. I was reading yesterday um, an article and a social psychologist from the Marriage Lab at Northwestern said, eventually they readjust, but that doesn't mean that they're able to get back to where they were. He's talking about um, parents that have that are married. He said, the truth is, of course, it's hard to cultivate the relationship when you have this massive additional responsibility that requires so much attention. Now, this is a topic I'm passionate about because I don't think it gets enough attention. Adding a baby into a relationship is a big shift in the relationship. Keeping our marriage, Drew and I's marriage, as a priority was an enormous struggle for me especially because as I talked about earlier, I was trying to be this like super mom that thought I knew best all the time. <laughs> I thought I knew what was best for our child all the time. And I was really kind of suppressing Drew in his role as a dad. Um, it just felt like so much to me to have this little person that needed so much attention but then also thinking about having energy left for our marriage and all the things withdrew. It just, it felt really overwhelming for me. And when you're feeling overwhelming and you're low on energy, 
it's our spouses, husbands, boyfriends, fill in the blank for your situation that usually gets our leftovers. Like they're at the end of the day, they're the ones who get the least of it. We're trying to put all of our energy and resources into the other things because, I mean, what is the reason? We know they're still going to be there tomorrow. Um, but we married that person for a reason. We made promises to that person for a reason. And that person is honestly going to be there, hopefully, forever and ever. So the less sex, the less healthy communication, really the less everything, we should be trying to revert that and make that more of the things that truly matter in that relationship. With Lucy, I started getting resentful. So I was doing kind of like you, Amy, trying to do all the things, trying to be superwoman. And then I was tired at the end of the day and was feeling resentful for him not picking up in the areas that I thought he should just know to pick up on. I had this imaginary laundry list in my mind that, of course, he should be able to see that we need more bread or that we need more diapers or whatever it may have been. They don't know. They can't read our minds. Like men cannot read our minds. If you're with a woman, she can't read your mind either. Like she, like it's just not something that's going to be able to happen. So the resentment that you can feel when you're trying to take on too much is real, but it's also something that you're able to give away. Yeah, I think specifically communicating with Drew what I wanted and needed would have saved us from so much like I was just constantly feeling annoyed with Drew, if I can speak plainly. And I didn't, just looking back, I'm like, man, I roasted that kid for everything that he did. And I wish that I would have had more patience with him, as Kate was saying when she kind of teared up in her episode. Oh, man, I wish I would have heard those words back then. But when Abby and I are sharing all of this stuff, something that's coming to my mind right now is understand that this is new for you and your partner. You can't just take this one podcast episode and bypass your hardships. You will walk through some of these things. It's like just something to be aware of and to shed light on if you have been supremely annoyed with your husband, you're not the only one that's been there by any means. One thing to keep in mind is that when your kid or when your kids turn 18, or when they turn 30 and finally leave the house, whatever age that happens <laughs> to be, know that the person you're married to is still going to be there. Like that is the person who's going to be there. Hopefully, again, like I said before, from day one, all the way till day 97,000. And the stats on divorce after kids leaving the house go up a lot. So we think about like the seven year itch, like we think about those first early years being so tough. There's been, so the Bowling Green State University showed a stat that divorce rates among people who are 50 years old and older has doubled in the last 20 years. Doubled. Because you look at that person after your kids leave the house, you've been raising these kids, you put your heart and soul and energy into these kids, which is a wonderful thing, but you've neglected the person who you're parenting with. Yeah. And you look at that person and sometimes they're a stranger. Yeah. And I will say to coming out of that first first season of hard hardship with Drew after our first kid, you know, now we're in such a better place. And when I think about it, I'm like, it's just the fact that we're showing up each day and we want to be nice to each other. And then it's you're setting that precedence that that person still matters and you can still have patience and love for them. And then you do that day after day and we built new habits. So like, I have to say I'm less annoyed with him than ever. It still comes up and I can coach myself through it, but 
you build this habit and you just don't feel as annoyed with them as you used to. And all of that takes so much practice, like practice every single day. It takes habits upon habits and forming those good habits and trying to go after them more than just the struggles that we're in. So thank you for listening to this episode on motherhood. And also thank you for letting me share my little secret. Honestly, it means the world to me that you're the first audience to hear this exciting news. And just know that each motherhood transition, it really comes with its unique struggles. Like we all know that this third child, the mom guilt has already set in. I've been so sick, not being able to be attentive to my other kids. Um, But as we all know, we're learning and we're growing as mothers, as wives, as sisters, as friends. And each new baby really means that you're a new mom to that baby. So also know that you're not alone in any of this and that most moms out there, they're not judging you because they're so worried about being on where their own two feet are. So this podcast, a lot of these conversations are really going to surround just focusing on your path, your journey, and just being the best person that you can be in each of those situations. But now we want to hear from you. So head on over to Instagram and let us know what are the things that you wish you would have known as a first-time mom or if you are a first-time mom or about to embark on that journey, what are some helpful tips that you have heard? Mm -hmm.